Hello, my name is Rory O'Connor and I am President of the International Association for Suicide Prevention. I'm delighted to welcome you to our new podcast series called Reach In, Reach Out. We're hoping to encourage safe conversations around suicide and suicide prevention, and we aim to bring together the different aspects of the work that we do, providing a global perspective, but crucially also sharing stories of hope. A fundamental part of our work is engaging with people with lived and living experience of suicide, either through their own personal experiences of suicidality or through loss and grief. This will be a central strand running through the entire podcast series. Given the sensitive nature of the subject matter, it is vital that we all prioritize our well-being. So please practice self-care. I hope that you find the podcast of interest and we really look forward to hearing what you have to think. Thank you. Welcome to this special episode of the YASP Reach In, Reach Out podcast series being hosted by uh, Vita Postovan and myself, Annette Erlangsen. Today, we take this opportunity to mark 20 years of awareness and action brought to us through World Suicide Prevention Day. And we're going to do this by looking closer on the actual event itself, namely the World Suicide Prevention Day. As some of you might know, this day was brought alive by this association here, the YASP. Uh, more specifically, the past president of the YASP, Professor Emeritus Diego de Leo, was the one who initiated it. Today, my co-host, uh, Vita, welcome to you. Hello, everyone. Welcome. And myself, we have the pleasure of uh, welcoming Diego de Leo with us here. Welcome, Diego. Thank you, Annette, and thank you, Vita, for being here. Good. The reason why we invited you is to get the story of the World Suicide Prevention Day firsthand from you, of course. So uh, we invite all the listeners to join us into this voyage of the YASP history. So to start off this podcast and the story here, Diego, we would like to hear a little bit about your background and where you originate from. So you are Italian. Where were you born in Italy and raised? I was born in a city in the northern part of Italy called Rovigo. This city is close to Padua, which was the city where I was educated and graduated in medicine and also took the speciality in psychiatry later. Then I uh, had uh, a stay in, in Boston and uh, uh, learning from uh, an incredible woman called Leanne Off, who took me to the Life Crisis Institute that she founded there in Boston. And um, uh, Leanne Off was Woman of the Year in the United States, and uh, she was awarded many times for her books, particularly a book uh, that uh, really made an impact on people. The title is People in Crisis, and I believe uh, I'm very grateful to this lady for what uh, she taught me on this topic and uh, for starting my uh, initial steps on the problem on suicide. From Boston, I returned to Italy 
then uh, I moved to the Netherlands where I wanted to have a PhD program on social and behavioral sciences. And uh, my tutors were Professor René Dijkstra and Professor Mikiel Engevel, a clinical psychologist very famous at the time for his work on suicide. And Mikiel was a psychiatrist. My PhD program was on old age, and it was particularly on the attitude. Sunset depression was the thesis of my work over there. And it was really a learning experience, learning in what uh, really science is, uh, the methods of science, and thinking in terms of science. So uh, I'm also very, very grateful to what uh, this country uh, made for me at that time. I returned to Italy after uh, four years. It was the 88. And then uh, the University of Leiden uh, called me to teach uh, psychopathology of the older person, which I have done for a number of years, five years. And I had, in the meantime, worked at the University of Padua and uh, founded the first Italian psychogeriatric uh, service at the academic level. Uh, these were the 86, and also the first. Uh, suicide unit in Italy, and this was 92. The suicide unit uh, came after the foundation of the Italian Association for the Study and Prevention of Suicide, of which I began as general secretary, and then uh, I was the president of this association. But uh, as uh, in many occasions happens, particularly probably in Latin countries, not always if you do things, you are appreciated. So I thought it was my time to move. And then uh, I had uh, the uh, good chance of uh, finding a position in Australia and uh, being successful in applying there. And it was uh, honestly a big surprise for me because uh, there were very valid researchers at that time at the Institute that could be the very good directors of that place. But anyway, I was the chosen one and this was 97. So I decided to move to that country in a definite way in 2000. I had, uh, after my PhD graduation, a number of uh, contacts with the WHO. And so I spent many, many months in, in WHO. And uh, um, I originated also a book after that, uh, together with uh, Professor Dijkstra, called uh, Depression and Suicide in Late Life, which was quite a fortunate book, uh, quite uh, uh, quoted uh, around the globe. And this gave me also a reputation and probably made me the winner when I was uh, still very young of the Stengel Award from the YASP. I believe uh, that uh, WHO at those times was much more interested in, in psychogeriatrics, what, what concerns me, than in suicide. Suicide was not 
a disease, so uh, WHO was quite reluctant to pay attention to topics that were not really a disease, but just behaviors. And probably the stigma still existing in many countries from a political perspective pushed WHO to be quite deaf to the calls for intervention in WHO. During those days, there was also an ongoing exercise which turned to be a major, major exercise in Europe, which was the WHO Europe multi-center study on parasuicide, an exercise that involved many uh, countries and especially many centers. I believe that at some point uh, we picked at uh, 35 involved centers. And it was a monumental study which originated, uh, I believe, more than 250 papers made by several different authors, of course. But many were also cooperative studies. So it was very good for suicide because connection, cooperation, exchange, interchange were and are extremely important factors for every uh, wanting to grow researcher. So it was really an impressive effort. And uh, this effort, of course, opened probably the ears also of the WHO headquarters. So in uh, 99, there was the first quite shy launch of the SUPRE initiative, Suicide Prevention Initiative, and it was José Bertolotte, at that time the responsible person in WHO, accompanied by a very young lady called Alexandra Fleischmann. And José was, like me, a psychogeriatrician from Brazil with a passion for suicide. So we, we did go very well together. And when uh, he created Supre and uh, and after a lot of pressure from my side, I believe uh, José became convinced that uh, something had to be done for suicide. And I did propose a study, the Supre study. Yeah. Uh, Before we go into the, the World Suicide Prevention history, we have a little bit of questions just of curiosity about uh, your own interest in uh, in suicide prevention. Could you tell a little bit about uh, how did it come about? You mentioned you were in you were staying in Boston and you learned about uh, crisis and uh, thoughts of of suicide there. Was it was it something you were actively searching for? Uh, I should say, was it an area you were interested in, or it just uh, grew on you a bit? What would you? How could you uh, explain that initial phase of of kindling with with suicide no, no, I, prevention? I went there. I went there on purpose. Mm-hmm. So knowing about these life crisis institutes and knowing a little bit uh, about the writings of uh, Lianoff. But my interest on suicide was not really the starting point of my professional life. Uh, at the beginning, I was interested uh, in uh, stress-related disorders, hormones, cortisol, dexamethasone suppression tests. These were my main interests at the beginning. 
And then I was a third year uh, resident in psychiatry and I was uh, entrusted with the tutoring of uh, a young first year resident whose name was Stefano. And Stefano was uh, a beautiful mate for me and a very intelligent person, very bright, a very beautiful boy, full of life, at my eyes at least. And suddenly he died by suicide. And it was totally unexpected to me and a turning point in my life, actually, because I was so shocked and traumatized by this death that I decided to turn my curiosity to suicide. And part of my shock was also embedded with the family reaction that uh, denied any uh, any contact with me. I tried to approach them on several occasions and they didn't want. So I wrote a letter finally and um, they never replied to let letter. So they didn't want to embroil with me at any level. And this was uh, like uh, something that made me feeling even more, could I say, responsible for, yeah. for these unexpected. Yes. And, and, and that was um, in, was that in, in Italy, the it this experience? Italy. So what was that a common reaction to when people died by suicide, that it was something you would refrain from from talking about and you would try to silence it or or what was your experience my personal experience was the one of being shocked because really if uh, someone from outside would have judged who was the most suffering pe- person between me and stefano they have chosen me stefano was the most cheerful alive uh, sporty and uh, I don't know. Uh, really, I, I was a shy person and uh, very introverted at that time. So the, the, really, it looked like quite paradoxical that to my eyes. In addition to that, uh, and you know, when when you're particularly young, uh, you're very hungry of, of knowing, of uh, learning uh, the quickest possible way, the most things that you can and so I reacted to that uh, by wanting to to know more about suicide, basically. And it was difficult because uh, the clinic where I was working didn't want to pay attention to suicide. And uh, suicide, uh, I must say, was uh, also uh, a particularly a negative event for the public attention. So it was very stigmatized. And people didn't want to talk about it, but especially the director of the clinic at that time didn't want me to to take an interest on suicide. Mm -hmm. So I wanted, and uh, then uh, I have uh, uh, decided to visit uh, this institute in, in Boston, which was a very new institute, but I know truly enough uh, important people like uh, Zizuk, for example, and I knew how to deal with bereaved people and uh, how to cope with crisis. And it was a, a very fascinating experience. Uh, and I was very impressed. And then I remained in contact with Leonov uh, that came to Italy on a couple of occasions, and I visited her more. 
in, uh, in the coming years. So uh, that triggered really the interest that culminated with my uh, encounter with uh, René Dijkstra. Uh, mm, René yeah. was... Okay, uh, I'll pass. Know, I'll give a, a word to Vita because she has a question she was curious to ask you. Yes, I'll, I'll bring it now a little bit forward, maybe to the 1999 in terms of uh, being mindful of time also. Diego, you became the president of YASP at that time. So, and you had a special mission with becoming the president. Tell us about this mission and your vision at that time. Well, vision or hallucination, I don't know <laughs> actually, but uh, I dare to propose for my candidature the institution of a World Day for suicide mm. prevention. It was among my potential tasks mm. and actually before becoming president i was vice president so in a way i uh, had already knocked a few doors in order to know what could have been the reaction to such a, a possibility and i must admit that it was quite frustrating because uh, they all said oh, yes very interesting a big problem yes indeed we will see, but no one wanted to see, actually. And so I continue. In any case, I dare to put it in my mission, which you can consult because it was published also in Crisis. Now, now before Diego, you continue, mm. can you tell us where did the idea come from? I mean, how did you come up with the idea of having the world today? Well, that's a difficult question. I knew at that time that there were word days for many other things. Mm. And uh, these word days uh, captured the attention mm. of people. And uh, especially if they were. So it was not an original idea per se to have a word day. But certainly, probably it was original for a phenomenon that type of phenomenon so difficult, so criminalized, so stigmatized, like suicide, that uh, it looked to me uh, really a mission impossible mm -hmm. at that time. Nevertheless, uh, I was stubborn and uh, I wanted to continue. That's why it was in my public mission. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. So how yes. did it go then? Or maybe well, I believe that I was in a very good board. Uh, two people in the board helped me a lot. I couldn't avoid mentioning Vanda Scott and Lakshmi Vijayakumar, who were always part of this uh, enterprise and uh, believing that I could succeed at the end. Uh, I could succeed uh, probably because I was stubborn and uh, maybe I had uh, ideas one of these ideas was supremis, for example. And supremis, uh, the supremis study was a terrific study in many ways because it involved many parts of the words that were completely new to suicide. For example, Vietnam, uh, China, that time was the first time. Uh, India was also the first time. Mm -hmm. And then there were other we countries. Should, we should probably mention uh, that that the supremis not all might know it, but it was an uh, 
a brief intervention in emergency departments, if I recall correct. But the interesting thing was, as you mentioned, that it was especially conducted in countries where there were no such procedures already. So it was really pathbreaking in that way. And it really it and that's probably also one of the reasons why it did demonstrate an effect of of the intervention uh, being a suicide preventive. Yes, but uh, the supremacist didn't have only the intervention study. It had also a community study, mm-hmm. and it represented also a data collection for the first time in a systematic way in countries where there were no data books on suicide. So it was uh, the first step for registries and for recording suicide in a rather standardized manner. So, yeah, I believe this was important for WHO and it made WHO uh, in a way sensitive to the problem of suicide. Mm. Also those who were reluctant to uh, operate in the area of suicide. So I believe that that means uh, suicide prevention, multi-site intervention study on suicide. So no beautiful women here, but just super <laughs> Yeah. But the study was also the trigger for writing a chapter, uh, a chapter on self-directed violence. And this was probably the real trigger for the day. The self-directed violence uh, appeared on a book, on a report, a major report by WHO on violence. Mm. It it was named WHO Report on Violence and Health. And uh, I remember Etienne Krug was initially uh, quite uh, reluctant to accept something on suicide, Mm -hmm. but then uh, a bit more permissive and then at the end uh, happy with that uh, so these the were these were these some of the first times then that who sort of officially uh, addressed the problem of uh, of suicide then would you say in their publications why it was the first time it was the first chapter written by me and uh, with the help of jose bertolotte mm-hmm. and david lester yeah, And the chapter was scrutinized by many, many people. And uh, I'm grateful to Linda Dahlberg, who was really a, a, a good guidance on the writing of this chapter, because WHO is also its own style in writing. And uh, uh, probably you need to be much more politically correct than what I am personally. So uh, yeah. she was very good mother for writing <laughs> WHO. Yeah. So this was all a part of the strategy because you wanted the World Suicide Prevention Day to be something that WHO announced also, right? You didn't just want to say, oh, now we're making it by ourselves. You wanted it to be something that came from the WHO or or what was the... Yes. Yeah. That was my way. And even because the voice of WHO is much louder than any other voice. Certainly, so yeah. we should we should start with that. And the occasion for WHO was really first to launch this report 
and the uh, report was launched in Brussels, I remember, in the October 22. And it was at the King Albert presence with many uh, Nobel laureate presence. And uh, the CNN was there. And the CNN uh, uh, interviewed for a few seconds uh, each of us, or the contributor of, of this report. and. Um, the question for me was, would you recommend for suicide prevention? And I had 20 seconds, she said. I uh, use eight seconds, I believe, and I say, a word day for suicide prevention. Um, that was it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I was told that Arlem Groh-Brunsland, uh, who was then uh, the director general of WHO uh, was also the mother of uh, uh, children who died by suicide, and uh, she was very sensitive to the issue. And uh, she saw the recording, the broadcasting of this launch. And uh, after a couple of months, uh, uh, Jose Bertolotte rang me, and she say, and he said, "Look, uh, Gro Arlem said yes." we can make the launch. <laughs> right. Yeah. So a part of yeah. the, the strategy was then also to uh, get people to speak about suicide. That's why the idea of a World Suicide Prevention Day made so much sense also. I mean, I'm realizing now that that if WHO or by by 2020 had hardly addressed the, the topic of suicide prevention, then there was really need of of a lot of talking and and putting attention to the field. And that was one of the things that uh, a World Suicide Prevention Day would be able to do, right? Yeah. Yes, mm -hmm. uh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And if you continue from there at the beginning, how mm -hmm. did it go? I mean, how was it? The launch was... Oh, look, uh, I'm not sure, but uh, it came uh, before Christmas, the phone call by José uh, Bertolotti, and we had a few months in preparation of the Stockholm conference in Jasp in 2003. And we were hesitant even between asking what to propose, what to say, how to make it. Uh, and, you know, Jasp at that time was not such a, a well-organized uh, uh, companionship like today. So it was quite, I wouldn't say naive, but very a small association. And so even uh, the use of uh, phone call was probably the main medium to, to connect with each other. And not everybody was available at the right time. So we, we came very close to the September 10 of the conference. And, uh, oh, no, 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 I'm forgetting one interesting part uh, with uh, WHO. That uh, one criticism and stop from WHO was because the 11th of September, mm -hmm. it, it was the, the cataclysmic uh, exercise at the, the Twin World Towers. So. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, so they say 10 of September. And 10 of September came out uh, a careful review of all major events in the world, in all religions, etc. And so we wanted uh, still a date uh, during the good season or the intermediate season that was not uh, November, for example, or December. 
in which could have been even more tragic, uh, reminding us that there is the problem of suicide. So it was a long time discussing the, the date dedicated to. And then uh, we gave mandate, or actually Lakshmi Via Jakumar was so kind and effective as she always is in organizing a poster in India. And uh, it was the first poster for the first World Suicide Prevention Day. And I believe she paid for, for this poster, which was translated in, in several languages, basically the languages of WHO, so uh, the official languages of WHO. And uh, I save uh, my Chinese version, for example, of it and a few other versions. But then uh, we announced it at the conference organized by Danuta Wasserman in, in Stockholm uh, during a YASP conference. And uh, the day uh, was uh, really the beginning. I must say that probably not many within YASP believe that this could be really the beginning of a new era. So it was a bit conflicting with uh, other views, other ideas, etc. But then there was a second and a third and a bigger one and a bigger one again. And they started having uh, themes also that you could share across the countries, right? And yeah, yeah. And we we got some uh, data. Do you want to read it, Peter? Can you read it? Yeah. I was just wanting to say that we have uh, 67 languages today, even some uh, very exotic, maybe from the our point of view, like Maori, Mongolian, and so on. So it's quite impressive, isn't it? Um, how do you feel about this? Well, I feel that we were very fortunate, and maybe I believe that it was a big chance we had and attracting the attention of the people, uh, raising the awareness of the problem, attracting people also in creating a bigger family of YASP and being heard more loudly than before was uh, everything quite, quite important, quite instrumental, but especially for the people and for the stigma uh, concerning with suicide. I remember... The first interview I had had uh, on the, on these days, people were asking me, should I publish the news? Uh, well, of course you should publish. We are discussing why you are interviewing me then. Uh, because, you know, uh, maybe a small article in the last page of the magazine or the journal. So it was quite complicated. But uh, today we can be all proud of uh, what uh, we are doing yes. and it's still a little thing but uh, it's something yeah you're saying a little thing because we have a statistics from the the number of people who engaged with it the, this year when it took place in 2023 and actually uh, our statistics show that the campaign on on the social media it reached out to uh, 101 million people, also about 120,000 people, they viewed the World Suicide Prevention Day events and cycle around the globe pages on the YASP website. So almost, yeah, 127,000 visitors on the website alone for this year. 
And there were more than uh, 7,000 people who, who went in actively and downloaded material because they needed material maybe for setting up an event. So it's really uh, something that is become global. And as Vita said, the 67 languages, the material is translated into 67 languages. That's quite an outreach that this uh, event has taken now. Had you anticipated that it would be this kind of big, uh, Diego? Not at all. Honestly, okay. not at all. Yeah. But it shows that it has an immense uh, potential also. And it becomes an excuse you now because then people can Oh, we're going to this and this event. They can they can start initiating a conversation. They can show it's okay to say the word suicide. It's okay to to talk about suicide prevention. Or it becomes legitimate in that way, and that's very uh, very important feature of of the World Suicide Prevention Day. So. So we're very grateful for for you uh, having this uh, idea and being so uh, stubborn, Diego. That we we have to say that. So I'll give Peter the next question. Yes, and maybe I'll just pass a little bit. Uh, like I'll try to make you reflect on the two decades that uh, the World Suicide Prevention Day has walked through, actually. And I want to hear from you. What were your like from each of the decades that this has, history has? What were the biggest challenges that you can pinpoint maybe in the spirit? And maybe what would be, you know, a bigger challenge for the future even? So looking forward. Well, um, I have my views clearly on uh, suicide and suicide prevention. I am ecstatic in uh, seeing data on suicide declining. And when I started working on suicide, I remember that there was a kind of litany that probably more than one million and a half were the deaths due to suicide. But around the year 2000, we usually uh, took two ta uh, one million and more than one million deaths on suicide. A few years ago, when we wrote the report, the, the Global Imperative Report, uh, which was another milestone for suicide prevention. It was 800 plus, 803,000. And uh, we are now 703,000. So data are claiming uh, more declining rates for suicide than for general mortality which is a very convincing statement for uh, those people who are interested in suicide prevention. What have we done? Well, we are more open about suicide. We talk much more about suicide. We have the day translated in many languages. Uh, we had probably more knowledge about phenomena. We have generally a better assistance to people who are suffering, more volunteers operating. And uh, I think that the role of volunteers is really unmatchable. Uh, they are doing things that uh, nobody really can evaluate, but they are doing the great. And uh, uh, these initiatives have been flourishing during the decades. So we have many more well-trained in many occasions operators uh, uh, among volunteers in suicide prevention. So uh, a number of things 
uh, happen. Uh, we are witnessing at this stage two incredible wars in the world, but apart from that, uh, I was thinking that the quality of life in the planet was improving despite the climate change. We are still uh, enjoying the material good, not much thinking to the damages that we are doing to the planet. But um, this is another cup of tea at the moment in this discussion. Suicide needs to take care also of the climate change and uh, the dangers involved with climate change, especially for the most vulnerable people, like uh, older adults, for example, or people with disabilities. But uh, anyway, other than that, uh, I think that uh, we are all talking about uh, multidisciplinary approaches, multi-level approaches, and uh, all these uh, tiritera of approaches, but uh, combining big projects around these really multi-level, multidisciplinary, mm -hmm. in my view, as still to happen in the world. And so we are not able to disentangle clearly what is effective in these projects and what is not. And uh, we have been probably putting too much emphasis on in one direction strategy, which was fighting depression and neglecting the social factors and the psychosocial environments. Which yes. Is, uh, very so, for example, social connection is one issue that has been neglected for too long. And I'm very pleased that WHO has created two days ago a social commission on uh, so fighting social deconnection. So that's an important step ahead. And uh, I believe this could be very influential also for suicide prevention because mm -hmm. people die when they are lonely because they don't think that anybody can help them. Yeah, uh, so you are clearly addressing a lot of the, the, the challenges that we are still facing. And I agree with you that we do need more uh, international uh, collaborations to address uh, some of these uh, challenges. On the other hand, if one should look a little bit on the positive side, one could also say that, especially within the last decade, we have really been able to, to generate a lot of... Uh, evidence on what are effective uh, tools for for helping people with uh, with uh, suicide uh, thoughts uh, but if we should uh, go back to the the topic of the world suicide prevention day so you it was a very visionary idea of you then at that time but uh, do you have what are your your hopes for the world suicide prevention day uh, in the future do you see any uh, new directions of it or any new topics that one could include into it? Or uh... Look, I believe really we uh, need to pay attention to counteract individualistic societies and individualistic attitudes because they are not making us less vulnerable to suicide. They are creating more vulnerability to suicide. So solidarity, attention to human rights, human rights particularly of the weaker and the weakest person in communities, 
fighting, loneliness, all these stuff are incredibly influential in the life of a person. And so we should be able to connect people and to create a culture educating people that is important to be someone having significant relationships. It's important to feel part of a community. And this community must be an effective uh, cooperative community, not just a rhetorical figure, because uh, we are not politicians, but we need to act politically. Yeah. And And we did uh, see a lot of promising uh, features of this unifying and standing together under the pandemic it really demonstrated that people were were able to uh, to stand together so we just got to figure out how we can translate that into uh, suicide prevention maybe for yeah well i'll pass the word to uh, vita maybe diego the last words the slogan of this podcast is reach in reach out so what would be your maybe message to people listening and also in terms of the title of this podcast? So reaching, reach out in terms of suicide prevention. Well, I would encourage everybody to seriously think to their own potential suicide in the sense that uh, life can be very difficult. Mm. For me, life has been incredibly difficult and still is. And I didn't expect such a difficult life. So we need to think that the wish to terminate your own life uh, is something that needs to be in your vocabulary, uh, in your existential vocabulary. And this is a, a tool to understand other people, the suffering of other people, to regain that human dimension that we are wasting because we don't have any more time to think. And uh, we need just to satisfy our own needs in the quickest possible way with a click, possibly, because we don't have any more patience, even no more skills to have a dialogue with another human person when you are physically present. And uh, this is embarrassing, but this is the future that expects us if we don't pay attention to the important things in life that could be a hug, a sincere hug, that could be a sincere manifestation of interest in others' life, in problems of uh, minorities, in problems of migrants, in problems of every people who are not... uh, lucky enough uh, to have what I could define a proper life. So there are many uh, areas of the world that are affected in this way. And even in the so-called high-income countries, uh, there is uh, still a problem with inequalities that is uh, widening his uh, arms. So it's a problem that needs to be approached and uh, needs to be popularize a bit more than what it is at this point in time. So hmm. uh, I, I, hear, I hear a little bit of uh, some good uh, uh, directions in there also. You you do come with some, uh, some hopes for us about how we can be better at addressing problem solving and thinking of others and integrating uh, others into uh, dialogues, of course. 
But we, we have to come to an end, unfortunately. We would very much have liked to continue this conversation with you. But for now, we just really want to thank you for for uh, sharing all your memories of, of uh, how the World Suicide Prevention Day was set up and the strategies behind it. It was clearly a, a really very significant event for YASP, but also something which uh, WHO really embraced and uh, as you can see from the statistics uh, immense many people around the world are also embracing the opportunity of of talking about uh, suicide prevention and the, the importance of that across the world so with that i just want to thank you very much for for having this uh, conversation with us diego thank you annette for giving me this opportunity mm-hmm. and thank you vita for thank being you, with vita. me